It's Friday, May 1st, 2020, and you're listening to episode 544 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 51 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. This is Brodor. So there was an, a topic we wanted to talk about on the last episode that we didn't get to. So that is now what this episode is See, going to be about. I told about. you, scope creep. Yep, it was huge scope creep, except we killed the project, which mm. is what never happens in a corporate environment. Yeah. But so, I thought we were agile. There's no such thing as scope creep. Just We're not agile. Technical debt? No, yeah. sir. Yeah. We, we This is a light waterfall iterative development shop. It is the only form of development that works. I don't care what anyone else says. Heavy waterfall and agile are equally inefficient. And if you believe otherwise, you're wrong. Mm. Email chat at feartheboot.com about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I certainly won't read it. <laughs> so let's get to what we're actually supposed to be talking about. This is a gaming topic, obviously. Uh, this was suggested to us by Matt Metcalf Armstrong, who was telling me some stories or telling us some stories about some issues he's had with some game masters. I, I'm not going to read the whole thing verbatim, but the gist of it was he had a game master where they came up with some solutions to a problem. There was a magical item that was burning in a fire that had been kept burning for a certain amount of time. They didn't know how long it had been there. And there was an archaeologist in the group, and I mean a character archaeologist. And then there was also a player who was an archaeologist, irrespective of that character. And they came up with the idea, well, we could use radiocarbon dating on the wood that was in there, try and figure out how old this item is or you know things like that. And then he had a similar one go down because a different GM had kind of envisioned what he wanted police or she, I don't know, wanted police procedure to be like in their game. Someone actually came up with some stuff for the character about police procedure. And I think there was also a cop in that gaming group who knew something about police procedure. And because it deviated from how the GM had pictured it, the GM got rather squeamish. And as I was dissecting the examples that he sent, along with some things that I've gone through, I realized that there is a cluster of problems that, at least to me, all appear to go back to the same place, which is GM insecurity. That if you start taking things in a direction that the GM was not expecting, and I'm not talking wildly going off the path. This is a Star Trek game, and we decide to start a My Little Pony fan club in the 10 forward. I'm not talking that. But I'm talking, you simply come up with solutions. Right, because hol holodeck, that's what the holodeck is yeah. for. When the immense vastness of space, when your writers, excuse me, when your game master has <laughs> run out of ideas, they go to the fucking holodeck. Well, <laughs> I had something similar, not that bad, happen in a Star Trek game of mine, where there was an experimental computer on board. This was one of my very, very early games. I, mean, I ran this game when I was like 14, and it was a really bad plot. But there was an experimental computer on board where this is headed is fairly obvious. Before touching it to their computers, they put in place all these kill switches and firewalls. And I mean, the sensible things you would do. And there went my plot because this was a terrible plot to begin with. So as a GM, I had an option of either just stamping my feet and saying, you can't do that or you wouldn't think of that or make some in insane roll against a skill you don't even have just to torpedo that or accept that my game just screwed. You know what I find offensive with these examples that were given? 
And you didn't finish off the part of the example of the player that was playing the archaeologist said, I want to do carbon dating, and the GM saying your character wouldn't know that. Yeah, by the way, I'm not an archaeologist. I've known about radiocarbon dating since like high school or junior high. No, what I find offensive about all that is just the lack of creativity on that GM. Okay, let's say you're you're unsure of yourself. You have all of these insecurities and you can't let that happen. Well, it's been in magic. Carbon date it. Sure. The magic screwed up the test. That would be more creative and be less offensive than you don't know carbon dating. Yeah. Or especially the police procedure. Sure. That's how it works in our world. But the game world's a little bit alternate. Things work a little differently. Just be creative or freaking roll with it. I, he didn't give me the details. I mean, I would roll with it, but procedure thing, be but... creative. If your insecurities are going to yeah. keep you from letting players do things, don't let well, them know that, that you're that insecure. But like with the police procedure one, I mean, he didn't give me the details, but I was trying to think through like, okay, so the police procedure here is you have to run this past the shift sergeant or something, sure. or maybe the beat cops don't deal with this. It's time to call a detective or something. And the GM wasn't expecting it. Look, there's so many easy ways around this. The detective shows up and says, you know, I know I'm supposed to handle this, but we got three murders in tonight. Mm -hmm. I can't prioritize this case up for this, this, and this reason. I need you to do it. Or we're going to have to call on somebody else to do it or whatever. There's so many ways of handling this. But I've seen this many times in many ways where what happens is GMs, they get their players doing something they didn't expect. And the players then start to feel frustrated because the GM is just telling them no with, quite frankly, no apparent good cause. So the players do something the GM didn't expect. The GM panics. The GM torpedoes it for a BS reason. The players can sense it's a BS reason. They get frustrated. Hey, why am I even here if even obvious actions are not workable? Even simple solutions are not workable. Just tell your novel while we sit here and eat popcorn. And pretty soon the whole game falls apart. And once again, I have seen this happen so many times. I think the only thing that saved me personally from ever doing it was the fact that I was so player permissive that I would go the opposite direction. I would just accept, well, that's the end of tonight's game. (laughs) You guys outthought me in 30 seconds and I didn't have anything else. But I didn't take that victory away from them. I mean, it was bad GMing, but it wasn't insecurity. It was just a different form of bad GMing. The thing is, is that whether the impediment is difficulty in your carbon dating because of residual magic and it's going to require that, okay, now we've got the MacGuffin, but we have to take another step to solve the riddle. If the impediment is interesting and it's it's either interesting because it furthers the story or because it's engaging and entertaining, but the impediment can't just simply be arbitrary. Yeah. You don't think about that. Yeah. Because not only is that shitty game mastering, it's poor storytelling. And it's, it's frankly uninteresting because figuring out where the MacGuffin came from is the point right now. The journey is, is the enjoyable part and the destination that conclusions, what we're trying to get to. If your impediments are just bullshit, arbitrary, annoying things. I don't care what the date is. I don't care where the thing came from. I don't care why it was in the fire for an epoch. I just want to go home now because you tell me what you want to tell me. I actually really feel for the game master in this situation. I mean, I I get what everyone's saying. I get the frustration. Believe me, I really do get the frustration here. But 
what is going on, it seems to me, from the limited amount of one-sided information that we've been getting. This, this is what I don't this is why I don't <laughs> like to be on the show with you. Because I will have passion and fire and anger, and then you just have to quench it with your oh, ridiculous, don't worry, don't worry. annoying, rational perspective. <laughs> well, hold on, bro, because we actually have not even gotten to the primary perspective i want to talk about yeah. so check so, and quench this all i want so uh, like i said I, f- I feel for the game master here because obviously the game master has some stuff going on here sure he, yeah. you know he he had a plan he was going in a direction and the players threw him a curveball yeah, now he, from he the, felt overwhelmed and right. he was he was taken flat-footed yeah, or something you know, yeah he felt overwhelmed and he started uh, right. stumbling so when people basically get surprised, like jump out surprised, this plan is not going as planned. In that immediate moment, as humans, we want to fix that. It's fix it now, change it now. We and, panic, and, yeah. Yeah, we, we panic. panic and, and that's actually a good thing. It's, you know, made us survive as a species through all these thousands yeah. of years, and it advances our society, and it keeps us alive. It's actually a good thing. Yeah. It gives you a knee-jerk reaction, though, that could be good or bad. Sometimes when you have that quick reaction and you have the adrenaline you make a bad choice so like i said i've been in the situation before we just see it from the story as well what the player said was really obvious and the the game master did something wrong bad which is all true i've seen but i get why the game master did that again because it's a panic and it's just like oh no and and let's put hard stop i've seen chad go both ways in these panic ones Oh, I've seen Chad go both ways. (laughs) The biggest change to a game I think I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. he had this whole plan that this ship was underwater. And I came up with the idea of, we have spacesuits, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go out the airlock. Instead of walking through all of these halls of these monsters to get to the front, let's go out the airlock, walk along the outside of the ship, and go in the hatch in the front. Great idea. Chad's knee-jerk reaction to that when he had to make a choice was, okay, we're no longer in the water. We're still in space. Because yeah. they came up with the idea. Yeah, I would not give advice to the players here because I'm on the side of the players. I would actually give sympathy to the game master and advice to the game master is maybe in this situation, as we are reading it, there's a panic and you put your foot down and made a change. So what you're doing is like if you're in a fight, you know, your fists are up and you get punched and you, you know, you kind of walk into it. That's not what you want to do. Guys swinging a punch at you and you take a step back. So in this situation, they threw something at you that you're not ready for. Does it matter if they're right? Does it matter if you're right? Does it matter who's wrong or right? You don't expect it. You panic. Don't say anything. Yeah, well, hold, hold this yeah. stock because we're there's a little more groundwork on a lay yeah. if we start getting to solutions. I, but, uh, I will say, Chad, if someone's coming at you doing a punch straight on, you don't step back. You step to the side. So if you step back, they're going to keep coming. If you throw something that they didn't expect, like you're now on their side and you're positioned, you're better off. Well, okay. But that has nothing to do with the metaphor. Oh, no, it doesn't at all. <laughs> hold, hold torturing metaphors here for a second. So <laughs> let me emphasize a couple things here. First of all, while Matt brought this up, and I want to give credit where credit is due because we appreciate when you guys send us your questions and ideas. And so it, it, you know, it's courteous to credit these things. This is not just based on what Matt said. I have seen this myself sure. many times. I have... I've done it myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We all have. So yeah. the second thing is while we are saying this is a GM problem, that doesn't mean there is also a judgment of the GM. You've come into our or, office. Or we say, yeah, there's a judgment of the GM and a judgment 
of my GMing, right? Brodor's GMing and Dan's oh, yeah. and, and Wayne's because yeah. we all GMs do this. And the point of this episode is not to crucify or make fun of people that have done this. It is to talk through why it happens because I think that's the first step mm-hmm. to healing is understanding yeah. why it's happening and then to get to a cure, which is what Chad mm-hmm. Chad was starting to go. I so think there's another piece in that though. Once you realize it's happened, what do you do? In this situation, someone else brought up the idea, do you double down, which is what this guy did, right? or do you realize, I have made a mistake? Well, let's hold that to the solution, because that is solution phase. So let's, let's well, talk. Wait a minute. All right, let's go let's ahead, Brodor. <laughs> as long as you're not jumping on me, you may go. Jumping on you? Oh, ju- I gotcha. Jumping ahead of my top. Yeah. No, so I don't know if I am. I'm sure you will. You'll tell me to be quiet. But here's the problem. See, game mastering, and this is why I'm generally very, very pro game master. Because game mastering is like being a woman with a man in sex. I, I know he's going to I know my players are going to show up and they are going to take what they want from I the game. I take back what I said about you <laughs> destroying my metaphor. No, you, <laughs> you, you're right, Wayne. Can, yeah, you're right you, on it. Can we go back to punching people? <laughs> you, are going to, you are going to get what you want out of the game. The question is, am I going to climax? Are you going to participate in a level where my enjoyment is important to you. Okay, right? that's a really messed up metaphor, but actually you're not <laughs> wrong. Take that how you will. But no, you're not wrong because the GM does have a level of expectation and a certain amount right. of things that have to be performed now, what this that is- are different than the, the characters. Right. The characters want to solve the problem. The GM wants to tell a story. So what the Game Master has done in this situation is they have conflated the puzzle with the story. The puzzle doesn't matter. They solved the puzzle. You just roll with it and keep telling your story. So I came up with three things that are why it strikes me. GMs tend to find themselves stuck in a particular rut like this. They have these panic moments. And Broder, you actually just added a fourth one there, which I'm going to give now as the first one. As I'm going to come to. (laughs) Which is the plot point being overly critical to the story Mm -hmm. that a singular element a singular puzzle a singular moment of decision has become too important to the story your story has a single point of failure this is what i did in that star trek game back when i was 14 if you guys don't hook the computer up or you rig it with kill switches my whole story was the computer taking over the ship and you guys having to outthink it that whole story is gone because there's a single point of failure enough meat on that bone don't plug it in yeah. And so that's why you start the story with it already plugged in or you just have a better story. That, yeah. And that's kind a, of like a difficult mm, thing for a 14 year old that does not have the Internet and gaming podcasts to even yeah. know what in media res is well, in the 80s. Precisely. So. <laughs> but this goes back to fear the boot is a monument to our failures. Absolutely. It the is. reason I can tell you not to do this is because I did it and it mm-hmm. didn't work. All right. The second thing I came up with is they had an expectation that a puzzle or a moment was going to have a particular difficulty. They wanted this big dramatic boss fight or this really, really difficult puzzle. And they had thought it through so well. This is like an escape room where somebody Mm -hmm. just happens as their first find to yank the right thing behind the clock and the end key drops into their palm. And you're in and out of this room in 60 seconds. And they say, crap, this room was terrible. Just give me that key back. We need to make you run through (laughs) all the hoops so you get your money's worth. Yeah. But they demanded a particular difficulty out of something and did not allow for the fact that players come up with ingenious solutions you can't predict. 
so they put all their eggs in one basket in that regard. The third thing I've seen is they want something to elicit a reaction. A ghost is supposed to have a particular amount of fear when it shows up. See, except this, for the fact that it turns out that somebody's already found the way of binding it. See, th- that's the one that really hurts me as a game master and why I try not to run like horror stuff is because I sit down with a group of people and I'm like, okay, you're in a haunted house and there's the spooky ghost. And, you know, I, I don't do it Scooby-Doo silly like that, but maybe I am being serious and I describe it. And I'm like, okay, what do you do? And everyone's like, all right, well, okay. So I, I call this guy cause I know this one dude and so-and-so he's going to start casting this spell. It's, it's like, no, it's a dead person is yeah. talking to you. Why aren't you freaking out? That throws my game off as a game. Because you read page 13 of my backstory. Because (laughs) I saw my first ghost when I was seven. I'm I'm dating a ghost. Because (laughs) because I'm in the basement, covered in Cheeto dust, hopped up on Mountain Dew, (laughs) looking at questionably painted miniatures on the table. God knows what Chinese material they made it out of, and I should not be eating them. But I'm not actually talking to a ghost. I'm talking to Chad. Yeah, and this is why so many horror role-playing games have rules on fear and insanity. As a mechanic, because a lot of people just there's that disconnect. Yeah. Well, and that's like a whole episode. Yeah. Well, I could actually even talk about the difficulty of what's called numinous fear when there is no real fear, Mm -hmm. which is why I also don't run horror games. Is because it's very hard to create numinous fear. I run horror games where the players are the monsters. But let's we'll come back. That actually, I'm going to write that down. Actually, that may be a good future episode. But the fourth one, without torturing the third one because the reaction may not be mm-hmm. negative it could right. be we want you to care about this npc we want you to love this person and you didn't do that and so now suddenly i'm like wait a minute they walked right past my lovable <laughs> npc and they didn't care i panic i've got to go back to this apparently i didn't do it right that's my big one but the fourth one is time budgeting especially in a con game i thought this encounter or this puzzle was going to take them 15 to 30 minutes to work past they did it in two seconds. Their first answer Example, out of their mouth. Wayne bypassing all the content. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. Wayne's like, screw these monsters and right. this maze of hallways. I'm just going to walk down the edge of the ship where everything's totally visible. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. But, you know, if you're not already prepared for yeah. this, if you don't dance on your feet well... You hit a moment yeah. of panic. That hits mine that you didn't mention. Too much investment over what you've written as your prep. Mm. There are a lot of GMs that will do all of this prep for the game, and then that is canon. And if you do something that violates that, they're already yeah. invested into it. They've spent the time investing into it, and they're not willing to say, sure. this piece that I've developed is now out and, the and window, it may not and I'm be developing a railroad, something new. But it may also not be a railroad of prep. Because when we talk about that, If we say what I've written in my notes, this is what has to be. And the moment you go off my notes, I'm lost. That may not be a singular path. Let me give an example from a video game. In the video game Fallout New Vegas, there are several ways that you can end that game. You can side with Caesar's Legion. You can side with the New California Republic. You can side with Mr. House. Or you can side with just yourself and take control of everything. So there are basically four ways to end that game. I wanted a fifth inning. It isn't in there. Now, this game has many options, many branching plots, but they have to be finite because they have to be programmed. There's no person running this. And so the option I want is there's a group called the Kings that were a bunch of Elvis impersonators that already lived in the strip who I thought were the closest thing to true good guys in that game. 
that they were true, moral, decent human beings, weird as they were, that actually should be put in charge. And I wanted an ending where I made the kings actual kings of Vegas. And that's not a, an ending. That's not oh, possible. Oh, man, that's a game I got to run to con. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably a king. They never would have been able to hold oh, it. Oh, man, it would have been awesome. Whoa, don't worry. I would have been the power behind the throne because <laughs> I'm the only person there to kick that much ass. But it struck me like they should be the ones making the, at least the base. Calls. Then in your head, Canon, after you pick the one where you're in control, you put them in charge. Yeah, precisely. In my head canon, fanfic.net. <laughs> or I took control and we didn't get rid of the NCR. We just became very friendly to them, but they didn't get control. But the point is, this is how I used to write game notes, and I still do to some extent, is my game notes say, okay, they walk into this room and I can predict they're going to fight the guy. How dare you? I can predict they're going to decide gonna... for me that I'm, I'm going to saunter into that room, sir. <laughs> but, you know, I have at least sachet, maybe, N level options. That say, it's possible they're going to defeat this guy. It's possible they're going to lose to him. It's possible they're going to talk him out of what he's doing. But there may be some fourth, fifth, sixth, 80th option I didn't think of. I tell you that I walk up to the door. I take a grenade out of my pocket. I toss it in and shut the door. You didn't see that one and coming? And then walk the other direction. You never even go back that way again. Yep. Oh, my God. And then a messenger comes up and says, your mother was in that room. And you're like, I know my mother was the bad guy. <laughs> But your mother wasn't a guy. How dare you? And then it just like goes on and on and on. So, okay. These metaphors continue to get weirder and weirder as the show goes on. Like Dan had his idea of where this episode would go. And Chad has come in and just. Oh, 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 Chad has come in. See, well, Chad's the yeah, bad guy. That's why I'm yeah. okay with all this, because mm -hmm. I expect these people to go off the walls. Right. We're going to do a Let's, show in the future. It's going to be like Boot the Fear or something. It's going to be how to do a role-playing game podcast based on all of our failures making a Fear the Boot. role-playing game podcast. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about now that we've kind of explained <laughs> the anatomy of the idea. So if you're a GM who finds yourself in this situation, if you're a player that sees the GM going through this, one thing to do right there in that moment, actually, let's start with the player advice. One thing I think you need to do right there in that moment is to have some sympathy for the GM. Because one of the things we just listed. Yeah, you f***ing shrib. You're not running the goddamn game, are you? No, you're not. You're sitting there expecting to be entertained. Huh. Is. <laughs> are we allowed to hug Brodor in the current climate? <laughs> but. <laughs> Sorry. But if you players. as a player see the GM lock up, one of the things we just described is probably why the GM is doing that. Right. And the GM at this point is probably in panic mode. And if you choose to bunker down and you're going to fight hard on we're players, we should have this freedom, you know, you're wrong in this blah, blah, blah. And the GM locks up and panics and the players lock up and get angry. You have just killed the game completely. Mm -hmm. You you have yeah. not allowed for any possible solution. I would recommend to the players at least back off a little bit. Try to understand where the GM is coming from. Ask the GM some honest questions. Say, hey. I realize this is maybe not what you expected. Do you want us to take a meal break while you think this through? Or do you want us to pick this up next time? Is this really going to break your game? Because if so, you know, maybe we can let this one point ride. But for the future, you know, we'd like to have a little more yeah. freedom in here. There are some ways you can choose and to sympathize without retreating from your position. Has anyone ever been that reasonable at the game table? Oh, yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Once yeah. again, after years of failure, we do it now. Yeah. <laughs> I pull in when Chad is, does something, mm-hmm. you know, he'll actually mention on an episode after that, I will go into whatever he said yeah. and I'll accept it and I will yeah. roll with and, it and because I've been a GM and I've done that. I'm going the other way too. Like maybe it's me. Maybe I'm too hostile. You think? <laughs> <laughs> do we need to play you the bit where you just breathe fire on all of your players yeah. for daring to contradict you? I, no, when the metaphor is that the game master was incorrect. <laughs> is, is do we we have that on tape? We can play it for you. I'm just saying, it's a little aggressive. Yeah, I am. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I can think of cases where each of us have done this for other GMs at the table. Absolutely, except for you because I haven't gamed with you enough. Yeah. The the one that I always bring up on the show too is the one where Dan was playing Narl, and I was the game master, and I said, and this is like the player doing a solid for the game master here. Of it's nighttime. I had the knolls coming up the hill. They were on top of this mountain, and I had this whole scene in my mind of this army of knolls or this patrol. I forget what it was, and they had torches. So you see the torches winding their way through the woods. Is really neat sort of uh, scene that I painted. At least I thought it was. And Dan was like, "They're not knolls because knolls have dark vision." And I'm like, <laughs> and I. Did, I was like, and that was an that was an obvious player response. Obvious, yeah, no, like, I mean, Dan was right. These must be people in null suits right. or something. And, and I because just, they they can't. Then this our clue is the torch. Right. I thought that right. was right. Right. I've, I've been I, there and I've been like, did I say torches? Because I was wrong. And I obviously in, there aren't torches. Well, and I leaned into Dan and I'm like, I made a mistake. Can you yeah. just kind of? Can we just? And he's like, yeah, don't worry yeah. about it. Well, because I the way, the way I interpret yeah. is as a player. I thought this was my clue as a mm-hmm. player. They're not really gnolls. Yeah. That this is something shape-shifted or whatever. Because my gnolls, one, they wouldn't need them. And right. two, I wouldn't allow, Narl would not have allowed right. them to do well, this because they're giving their position away. But then Chad says, okay, they're supposed to be gnolls. I just want the party to see them coming. Right. And I, as a player, backed off and said, you know what? It makes sense because even if they can see in the dark, they don't want to scare the human camps they're mm. walking up on because they're not looking for combat with humans. So, sure. of course, they're using the torches to announce their presence. Mm-hmm. So, boom. There we go. Problem boom. solved. Got it. Move Continue on. game. Yeah. That's very different, though, because neither side dug their heels in. Right. That's the point. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so that's, GM and players both don't dig that's, in. That's my advice, too, with the whole metaphor about being in well, a fight, is that something like this happens, as and you're the game master... You, not, you make a flub and somebody calls out that flub, you don't step into it. Yeah. You take a step well, back. Let's start with the site. Let's start with the, the root metaphor. I mean, I think your metaphors are good if we talk about the fight in terms of the difficulty. Mm. But even the metaphor there, I think, speaks to part of the problem that's occurring here. This isn't a combat. I as a as a player was not trying to win Chad's game, right. quote unquote. Chad was not trying to defeat me in his Mm -hmm. game. We weren't exchanging punches. We weren't in conflict. We were on the same team of wanting a good game. Now, I wanted to be fair. Our game, our world, and our story. Now, because running counter to what Brodor said earlier, it is up to the players to bring a good story and be 
part of telling that mm-hmm. story. Yeah, and you know, players- no, no, I mean, I, I firmly believe that. I just, you know, I, I like to get hyperbolic about how <laughs> no. the, the game master is the most important part of the game, and the game master well, is not treated Bruno, with a degree from of the fact and, from the and gratitude that they deserve. Uh, from the I'm stories you have told me, so both. glad I'm not a twenty. <laughs> just from the stories you've told me, both on mic and off mic, I've gathered that. There's a lot of dysfunction at your table. Uh, you know, I it, it's funny. There used to be for many, many years. Like, I mean, I, my, my mom doesn't hit me anymore, but I still <laughs> like to make jokes about it. I still like to blame it for stuff. I mean, my current group is pretty highly functioning. Um, with, with <laughs> the phrasing of that. Pretty yeah. highly functioning. Broder, are you, have you considered you might be an enabler? <laughs> I, oh, for, without question. I mean, you yeah, totally I mean, deserve I, that because dinner should have been on time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I absolutely am an enabler, but I just feel like that. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm an abused GM like Dan, but I feel like that when these situations occur, there is the one and there is the collective and the collective has more intelligence and resource and imagination and control and power at the table. You have one person creating a problem and five people figuring out how to solve it. Yeah. And when the game master does something like that, I understand that the game master has to take a step back or to the side (laughs) to avoid the punch and remain rational. And as an adult, you know, in my 40s, I have done that. Now, in my 20s and 30s, that was not my game mastering thing. It's not what I did. But as the group of players, you have an obligation that if... Just and I'm not Chad does sure. not get this way because Chad is conflict averse. <laughs> what? But if Chad and I are getting into it about something mm-hmm. because I said so well, you wouldn't think about carbon dating or whatever, the other people the t- table need to be the ones to step in and say actually hey you know what guys let's calm down yeah. carbon dating is a thing Mike let's take a break the other people the table as a group need to police the group. Mm-hmm. And not make that the game right. master's and, responsibility. And that's, that's what yeah. I want to stress at this point of the show. Before we move on to the next point, which is practical solutions for this, is the very first step to either avoiding this or to mitigating it as it's unfolding is both sides need to chill out. Remember, they're on the same team. Don't panic. Don't get angry. Just calm down and realize what's occurring at the table level. What's occurring at the metagame level is the GM wasn't prepared. The player's pushed a little too hard, whatever. It doesn't matter. This is not a fault situation. It's a situation that if we all love this game, we all need to find a way past and neither side should lock in their heels. Now let's talk about actual solutions. We're going to skip the player solutions because I think that one's fairly straightforward of either give the GM some time or give the GM some ground. Let's talk about what do you do as the GM when Wayne says, I'm going to take a spacesuit and walk outside of the ship. I'm going to give you your tools. All game masters have tools, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the tools that you use in that situation. All right, you ready? It's, um, uh, uh, um, well, is a good one because you can really kind of extend it there. Yeah. You could also so, throw um, some. Uh, walking out of the airlock uh, is a great stopping point. You, you, Let's get dinner somewhere. <laughs> that is a good one. Time to order Chinese. You can also say suddenly the airlock has like 
five layers of security and ten doors they have to get through to get to where they're going. To, you're or, buying. There's a, yeah, there's a new puzzle. So yeah, yeah. you guys put on your yeah. suits, you make it to the airlock, you get there. But because of the impact of the submarine or spaceship or whatever, blah 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. blah. Now there's a dramatic task as opposed yeah. to a series of or combat you, encounters. You, you know, there's monsters. You hear scratching in the airlock. Yeah, uh, or you oh, just oh, look at him. Like, Wayne says. All right, well, I'm going to go in the airlock, put a suit on. You really want to go in there? Oh, don't go in there, Wayne. Don't go in there. Wayne. Don't go in there. <laughs> are you sure you want to go in there, Wayne? There's no cameras. Cameras are off, and there's no little window like in the movies. You don't know what's in there. Yeah, probably wouldn't work on me. No, no, it wouldn't work but, on you, but yeah. yeah. So it's not something that, not one of the reasons I do it, but if I have a drink sitting in front of me, yep. take a drink. Oh, my God. You just need yep. that yeah. second to this, think. This is what Chad was oh. talking about in the previous metaphor. Of taking a step back. You don't mm-hmm. step into a punch. You step away from yep. it. You get some space. Yep. Do is... not double down. Never double down. Yeah. You've made yep. it a conflict then. Ha- don't have a cup of water. Have a water bottle with a screw top. <laughs> Wayne knows yep. because I use a water yeah. bottle with a screw top. But if that you, I have if to you can get yourself drink, a moment back to calm yep. down and think. All these are yep. tools. Whether do, it's... do what I do. Take a big bong rip. <laughs> and you're like, okay, hold on. Let me. All right, so oh. like, the carbon taping thing is totally fucked because of all of the residual <laughs> yeah. magic from this eternal fire. Yeah, but the, here's okay. the thing. Well, that's the point. But the whole a break. Thing, you're giving yourself time, and what you're giving yourself time to do mm-hmm. is think. Well, yeah. it's, so it's not just think. You have to make that decision right then and there. Mm-hmm. Am I going to allow this? Am I not going to allow this? Whatever answer you come up with, it needs to be a creative one. You don't mm-hmm. want to just say you character wouldn't think of it. You take a drink. You think about why wouldn't that work if you're not going to let it work? Well, I think you're doing something for yourself before even that. When you step out of the punch, when you step back and you go take a drink or a bong rip or (laughs) trip to the bathroom or get Chinese food, you're you're calming yourself. (laughs) You're getting out of the moment of panic. You're putting a pause on the movie to think about it. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you need to do is not figure out how to roll with the punch. That's your second thought. Your first yeah. one is chill out. You realize there's an issue. Calm down. Don't lock in your heels. Clear your head. Get some distance on the problem. Look, as someone who does troubleshooting with computers for a living, I can tell you there are a ton of problems I have solved in the car on the way mm-hmm. home from work or in the shower getting ready to go in the work the next day because I took some distance yep. From the problem. So settle down, step away from the problem. Step two, now start thinking of ways around it. Okay, I give them the carbon dating, but that's not going to screw my plot point because I can throw in this, this, and this. Or here's some reasonable things that would get in the way of carbon dating, like magic, or if you know carbon dating, it also doesn't work beyond about 27,000 years. So if it's been in there since the previous age of man or something, it's not going to work anyway. Well, here, but here's another thing, too, is it isn't a problem. Once you've taken that step back sure. and you've got a, a breath and you, you've calmed here, understand that this is an opportunity and not a problem. Okay, they want to do the carbon dating thing, whatever. You don't want that in your world, but whatever, you're rolling with it. It's cool because you you got to keep the momentum of the game going, and you don't want to steal their thunder. I'm going to ask you three here right now. You are playing a role-playing game where you're playing yourselves, and you have made a decision to get something radiocarbon dated. Go. What do you do? Uh, well, the first thing I do is I call Dan, or I DM Dan on Facebook, and I'm like, Dan, I need something carbon dated, yep. and then I wait. 
I, yep, I am <laughs> that's going, actually exactly what I would. Right. I'm not kidding. It's what I do. I yeah. would actually reach out to a mutual person we know that mm-hmm. is an archaeologist, yep. has been on dig sites, to find out the process because I don't know the process. Well, yeah. now that's exactly what I was going to say in the cop example. Because everybody mm-hmm. knows what radiocarbon dating is. At least in general. In general. Yeah, if you don't know the details knows, of isotopes. Like, how much does it cost? Where do you go but to do it? How long does it take? To lab? But I've yeah. got an archaeologist at my table. I, I have a cop at my table. Right. I do what I well, did as a retailer. One of the things they can tell you is yeah. it's going to take days or even weeks to get the results back. But yeah. one of the things that you do as a hobby retailer in 2020, there are too many products to know. Yeah. So you build rapports with your clientele and you get your clientele. If I'm in the comic shop and somebody wants to ask me about Teen Titans, don't know, don't care don't like them but i like wayne and i know wayne likes teen titans so here's what i'm gonna do i'm like hey dude wayne i'm so far behind on titans because you and i both know i heard it why <laughs> could you mind helping me out with this guy just kind of give me a rundown give him a rundown my cop buddy i would have been like okay yeah. ripping bong right from my cop buddy <laughs> and then i would have been like i would have been like okay so how does police procedure work yeah. i have a resource at my table. Oh man. And, and, and then I've just so said, great I've too. said to cop buddy, your perspective is valuable. Your impact and in contribution to the game matters. Help me solve this problem. And it's the lazy GM thing too. Right? It's so Be- chad. Yeah, because it's just like I look at Dan. Dan's an archaeologist who knows all about this, and Wayne says, Well, I get radiocarbon dated. All right, Dan, why big, won't that work? Big ass bong rip. Hey, Dan, why don't you tell Wayne what that all entails? And, and, and then Dan's I like, lean back for the next 20 minutes. And think. And, and Dan's like, the and, jerk. and think. And, and listen. And because listen the moment they say, well, first you'd have to send it off to a lab. Boom. Right there. This is going to take you two weeks to get done. Yep. It's like, okay, you do it totally. You're not going to get the results. Yeah, tonight. you're in the middle of Death Valley Dan, in an underground shrine that nobody knows, knows exists. It's going to take you four days to get back. Let's forget the radiocarbon dating thing. I've got my satellite phone and my laptop. I've got a buddy who works. I'm going to use my contact skill. I have an empty contact. I've got a friend who works at a lab that I can satellite phone right now. Show him the thing, at least get some superficial information about the thing, maybe. So here's the lazy GM tool for the people listening to this. Listen, if you have to rewind like a, a minute or two minutes to listen to this again and what happened. All right. Is so cool. This is what I love about game mastering. I have intelligent people around me. I had a problem. I turned it into an opportunity. I made someone a subject matter expert, and I said, you guys figure this out. What did these people just do? You are talking about getting your satellite phone and your laptop and filming. You're talking about having to send it off and going through the process. He's talking about doing all this stuff and that stuff. And guess what I'm doing as a game master? I'm taking rips off the ball. Let me. <laughs> well, and this is exactly, and you can, or you can even pull them aside well, and it's say, an opportunity. Okay, yeah. I real life archaeologist. Yes, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. We we joke about taking rips off the ball. Really, it's Dan's I, advice of listen. Yeah. Don't interrupt them. See what's important if, to if them. If you go to that yeah. player, not the character, but the player who is the archaeologist, right. and you pull that person aside, say, okay, hold on a second, I need, I need a moment here. And you pull this guy aside, and you say, hey, Mr. Archaeologist, what is involved in, in radiocarbon dating? And say, you know, I didn't want them to arrive at the date this quickly for certain reasons I can't tell you as part of the plot. Can you give me some ideas of what goes into the process or things that might gum it up just a little? I'm not telling you no. I'm not telling you they can't do this. But I need some ways here to kind of pump the brakes. Let's go back to the Noel mm-hmm. example. Chad could have used Wayne as part of the solution. You could have passed Wayne a uh, note that says, Ask Gnarl for reasons why Knowles might carry torches. And all of a sudden, yeah. I, 
So Sir William says to Narl, in character, before we start shooting arrows at these guys, is there a reason your gnolls might use torches? I mean, could these be your people? And then Narl says, well, you know, they might do it to be visible if they were doing messages to a human camp so they don't scare them because evil gnolls are the ones that creep up on them, not the good guys. And Narl's trying to be a good guy here. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm solving the problem. Mm-hmm. And Chad's not even involved apart from having gotten Sir William to punch Narl for information to pop your, out. Your players are not an audience. Your players are there to make the game with you. Yes. And they are a resource for you. Yep. A well, lot of they, it goes they gotta back. and learn that. They got to yeah. and learn that. <laughs> they got to they gotta teach yeah. that. They got to yeah. teach Brodor. that. I have this great podcast. Parents, you got to learn. See, no, if only I was doing with a you. podcast on you, this topic. The players don't learn how to do that. The game master subtly manipulates well, them into doing That's why game mastering yes. is so much like managing people. Right. It really, really is. Yes. Well, it all comes back to the whole insecurity conversation. A lot of the reason people react mm-hmm. is because they're insecure. If you are willing to own that insecurity and say... Precisely. Yeah, I've actually seen a GM do this. I am not sure how I want to react to that. So we're going to go to this other scene with this other player because the party's split because the party's always split. You're right. And we're going to come back and... Uh, I'll let you know what we're going to do when we come back. Let me give you a real-life example here. I have in my life known a lot of people that are very intelligent people. I have known many who are not insecure, and I've known a few who are. And you know what the difference is between them? The simple phrase, I don't know. The people that are not insecure about their intellect, they are willing to admit there are certain things they don't know. They're willing to admit they need help. They're willing to admit they've been wrong. The people that are insecure are the ones that bunker down. Now, what's the difference between these two? It's nothing but an attitude. Because some of the insecure, intelligent people I know, I'm granting they are intelligent. But they make asses out of themselves because of their insecurity. I am comfortable in my intellect. I know what I know. I know what I don't know. And I am not at this table trying to prove I'm the smartest person on the planet. And as a result, I don't feel the need to bunker down. There's been, Wayne knows this, on my job, at my previous job, when I was doing medical software, I said, I don't know how to do some things that they're trying to do. And we hired in both Wayne and another guy that I know as temporary consultants to do the things I didn't know how to do. And so that's what you've got to be as a GM. You have to accept that. There are limits to what you know. There are limits to what you can control. There are limits to what you protect. Ditch the insecurity. And the answers become a lot more obvious. This one of the things, we may be going back to psychoanalyzing GMs here, Chad. (laughs) When I hear Brodor's reactions, the first thing I think is, is some of this from insecurity from Brodor's standpoint? Sure. Is he so? Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is that that control aspect something I need to keep control the players are all crazy and they're not in this together and we're not in this together because he's insecure. He wants to keep that distance. I want to be the arbiter of what is stupid and silly and inappropriate. That's what you I are want. the worst person well, to hold that. Here's the thing. <laughs> what you but, want is control but, because when a person has control, they control if they get hurt or if they don't get hurt. Because sometimes when people are have been abused, sometimes they maybe need to feel hurt or they maybe need to feel abused, but they also need to control that. They need to not feel hurt. They need yes. to not feel control. Sometimes they and need to choose that, when they're going to feel hurt. Exactly. Sure. And that all the people I know in my life 
who have been abused need to exercise that level of control. So, and I agree with you that Mm -hmm. that is all very real. I'm conceding it. I'm not denying it at all. However, I will say this. Sometimes people say stuff in character Mm -hmm. or do things in character that is so foolish and comical and asinine and outside the tone of the game Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to run. It infuriates me. Sure. Oh, no. And I get that. That happens. That is every game, every time. And as a game master, again, and this has nothing to do with abuse or dealing with it or control or anything like that. When, not if, when that happens in your game, as a game master, you make a decision. You make a decision of... To get rid of that player? Well... Maybe yes, yeah, that's maybe. generally the decision Absolutely. I make. Maybe or if that player has a track record of it. It, it again, yeah. And I want to get to that in a moment. You make a decision of do you incorporate that aspect that you don't like into your game, and that's like a facet of this overall thing that everybody is creating, and you just live with it. Do you passively aggressively ignore it, like they do some silly stuff, and you're like. Okay, and then we move on. No, I embrace it it and I celebrate it and I make it part of the world and they enjoy it and they're like, oh, this was great. Thank you. Because I'm going to tell you I do that. I don't like doing it. I'm going to tell you something that Pedro on the World Walkers Mm -hmm. AP podcast, he's a fellow host on Big 20. Yeah, no, I've listened to a few episodes. He's a great guy. Yeah. One of the first things that he said on the first episode of Big 20 has stuck with me, and I've repeated it multiple times. And it's the reason why, you know, you, you're so hard-ass and blah, 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 and crypto, and then at the end here, you're like, no, I embrace it, and blah, blah, blah. Because their why. fun is important to me. Because those people are there for your game. Man. They're there because they like you, they love you. And they love your game, yeah. and they want to be there in your game. Don't make enemies where they previously didn't exist. Yes. In fact, go even beyond that and embrace the people that you love so, and who love you. Wayne, I want to give you a chance to talk about something. Because you're a good game master. Because I stopped sweet. you earlier. Because <laughs> Chad talked about stepping out of the punch, right. which we've now delved into. What did you mean with your metaphor of sidestepping the punch? When you say stepping out of the punch, it makes me immediately think, okay, I'm going to step back. Yeah. Let that go by, sure. prepare, and then I'm going to move back in. Long rip Chinese food, whatever your flavor is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, by when the way, I just say, to be, I don't smoke pot while I'm game mastering. So I'm, I am yeah. a sober I, game master these days. I don't care if you do. Oh, no, I'll <laughs> smoke pot all day, just not when I'm game mastering because <laughs> okay. I need to be straight. Serious so, business. Yeah. 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 So my example, when I, let's go back to the initial story here. Carbon dating. Oh, well, he would have think of carbon dating. No, we don't carbon date. That is... Obviously, going back into the fight. But if you want to step yeah, back... That, that's the step forward. Yeah, that's, that's the doubling step down. Yeah, Stepping back would have been basically... Uh, um, well, hello, archaeology guy, what do you think? Uh, that's exactly. the stepping back. Depending on what you do when you step. When you step back, you could step to the side, or you could also step forward right back into the fight. It's a question of why are you stepping back. When I say stepping to the side, I mean, okay, they threw you a curveball. You are not going to directly respond to that you're going to do something creative with it. Oh, yeah. Do you, okay, so you're saying, like, just do something weird. Like, they radiocarbon date it. Okay, you get the date back. You know this fire has been sitting here for at least the weeks or months you've right. seen it. According to the radiocarbon dating, it was just lit yesterday. Yep. Something like that. Something. That doesn't even make sense. Right. To you as a GM, <laughs> figure it out later. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's. That's good advice right there. Which is GMing one of them. Weird. That is exactly the kind of thing I'm saying when I say step to the side. Instead of reacting directly with it, 
You wanted them to have a curveball. They now are not doing your curveball because they came up with this idea you didn't think of. Yeah. Okay, let them have that. Give them a new curveball. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you can carbon date it. Mm-hmm. Right. It carbon dates the last week. Because, because players want successes. Yes. They want W's in that column, right? But there have to be challenges, right? They can't just be, you know, victory after victory after victory because that's boring. Yeah, well, I mean, let's go back to the null thing. So let's say, okay, Chad intended these were nulls and the torches were to set a scene. And Chad could sidestep that by saying they get up there and it is a bunch of people dressed in animal skins mm-hmm. to make this all look like gnolls. And as soon as they get up to where I think we're actually at an orphanage as mm-hmm. they like is out in the middle of nowhere is in the wilderness is like this exactly where you keep orphanage. Yeah, orphanage. precisely. Yeah. But they, well, in that particular world, it actually yeah, didn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, being isolated in the wilderness actually was a bit safer, but the point being though, that you go sidestep with that, they get up to the top. It is people dressed in skins and they immediately drop their torches, fall down at Gnarl's feet and say, we needed your help and thought this was the only way we get close mm-hmm. enough to you to talk without being killed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, I mean, this is yeah, right. now I'm off script. Right. Yep. You or know, they I all do. have the, I think it was the white hand. Yeah. They all have that on there and they have joined mask, your clan. Yeah. yeah. They, while you were away. Disp- or yeah, whatever. I mean, there's, he could have gone weird with it in a way that takes me equally off script. Mm-hmm. And so, And that makes the whole scene more interesting because one of the things you've done by immediately having your reaction, the scene has immediately got less interesting and a little tensions there. Yeah. If you can find a way to curveball it back into something really interesting, you've regained that momentum of the game. And I will caution, though, because it's a tool in the toolbox. Yeah. It is very valid, but I will caution that they threw you a curveball. So you threw a bigger curveball, and then they threw a curve. Well, suddenly we're like throwing yeah. Gonzo yeah. curveballs at yeah, each no other. Yeah, no back Re- and forth. Recursive. And you need some arbiter to tell you what is lame and needs to be excised from this game. No. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not restarting no. that. No. But <laughs> it, you need an official Brodor hugger. It's somebody who just gives Brodor a hug because yeah. he deserves uh, it. He's uh, a great guy. Uh, what about Brodor? Well, never mind. But yes, <laughs> getting back to the point, yes. I think that is correct, that throwing weird upon weird upon weird. Look, yeah. we have all at some point seen that show from England, and it was terrible. And <laughs> when you've got or a toolbox. J.J. Abrams show. Yeah. yeah, solving weird with more weird, yeah. and then solving that weird with even more yeah. weird. No, that, you've got a toolbox for the tools. You yeah. don't use the same tool twice yeah. in a row. If you need something else, use a different tool. Go for the bong rep. <laughs> right, right. Which you should do while you're preparing your games, while you're writing your games, while you're doing your outlines. Mm-hmm. That's what you should do, but not while you're actually running your game. I think there's some other little things we could add on top of this, but mm-hmm. I think we'd just be oversalting a wound. So yep. we're going to go ahead and stop this one here before we torture any more metaphors. <laughs> but uh, Are we stepping to the side? Are we stepping back? No, we're, we're just calling off the fight. The oh, cops okay. have showed up and everybody realized they don't want to go to jail. Yeah. And so we're just stopping the fight. So Mm -hmm. uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games. Have great bong rips. Have great bong rips. I will. (laughs) Bet. And we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2020. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.